Now let's start the show. Hello and welcome, welcome back to This Just In. Um, Another episode, episode 30. Can you believe it, folks? We have made it to 30. We have left our 20s and we are now in the dirty 30s. I remember when I turned 30, I was so happy to be out of my 20s. 20s is such a weird thing because you change so much from 20 to 30 that like the person you are at 30 is vastly different from the person that you are at 20. Um, And then when I turned 30, I was just so happy to be done with the 20s because, you know, you get associated with people who are 20 years old. If you're 29... They associate you with anything, anyone else whose age begins with 20. And that includes 20-year-olds and 21-year-olds, and they're all complete idiots. And so by the time you get to 30, it's like really nice. It's really refreshing. You know, you get like out of the... Uh, you, you feel like you've graduated a milestone in life. Um, and... Now that I'm in my 30s, I'm in my late 30s, I'm about to turn 39 in a few months. Um, I'm not looking forward to being in my 40s. <laughs> quite the opposite, quite the opposite as it was when I turned 30. Very happy to turn 30, not looking forward to turning 40. I feel like uh, as excited as I was to turn 30, I am as much dreading uh, turning 40, uh, the, it doesn't have the same appeal <laughs> leaving your 30s going into your 40s because I think we can all agree. Uh, 30s is probably peak you, right? Like, you know, you're not in your peak in your 20s mentally, probably even physically. Um, maybe physically. I don't know. I mean, I was, uh, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, it, it depends. Like, you know, When I was younger, I was in great shape, but I didn't have to try. And then, you know, I I worked out until I turned like uh, 30, basically, uh, all the way through my early 30s. And then once my son was born, I basically just fell off of the gym wagon and I stopped working out. And my body has has degraded away into this uh, mush of whatever it is now. you know, I just didn't have time to work out anymore. So I guess, you know, like you could, but I think that you could be in your peak physical condition in your 30s, even more so than in your 20s, assuming that you continue to work out. Um, but 40s, mm, I mean, I'm already like hurting myself doing random shit. Like, I th- I pulled a muscle like in my rib doing nothing. Like I, I bent, I bent over to pick up something and I guess like, I just, uh, I don't know, like bent at the waist. I reached across, I, did, I reached across my body. I did like this very normal movement, uh, to pick something up. And then when I came back up, I had a sharp pain in my rib. I was pulling weeds in the garden one time. I was in like a full squat position, like, uh, like a monkey in the rainforest position. You know, like just imagine like a 
an ape or something like sitting in the rainforest, you know, in a full squat, ass to grass. I was kind of in that, I was pulling weeds, right? And so um, I was doing that and then I pulled a weed and it's not like I was pulling really hard. I mean, it was, you know, I was pulling weeds. Was, you're not exerting a whole lot of force. And I felt this weird slip in my in my spine. Like this strange feeling that I had never felt before. Like somewhere in my vertebrae, between my vertebrae, it felt like something just kind of slid out of place just for a second. It went back in, but it slid out of place just for a second. <laughs> it went back in. It's hard to describe. I guess it's like a pregnant woman trying to describe like what it's like to have a baby inside of you and to feel this thing inside of you that you can't control moving around like independently of you and you're just kind of a recipient of whatever is happening. Um, and that's kind of the same thing. So basically... I'm comparing myself that that kind of pain to the the pain of giving birth. Uh, I I think that I can now uh, tell women to their face that I understand their pain of giving birth. I too have gone through it, and um, it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant, but it was okay. I was walking weird for a couple of days after, you know, just like a pregnant lady or just like a lady right after she gives birth, you know, they walk around kind of weird for a few days, but then they're fine. I did the same thing. It's the same thing. I did the same thing. I basically gave birth. So speaking of giving birth as a man, uh, that's kind of what today's topic is about. So we're, we're talking about, um, well, the main premise anyway, is about this whole Bud Light thing. And it's... I don't want to necessarily talk about the beer and the brand of Bud Light and all that kind of stuff. I kind of, I feel like for whatever reason, this particular issue might be the thing, the the straw that breaks the camel's back. I feel like it, I don't know why I feel that way. Um, I just feel for some reason it feels like a key event in in our social history, and um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. But uh, to start off the show, uh, let's talk about what's keeping the sad away this evening. And guess what? It's Bud Light. Yes, that's right, Bud Light. You know what? I appreciate a beer that has the balls to come out and put the face of a man who has balls but does not want them on their can. It takes balls to do that. Which is ironic because the woman, quote-unquote, on the face of their can also has balls. <laughs> um, so here, no, I'm not actually drinking Bud Light. No, you, you guys know me. You know me. I'm either drinking some kind of, I don't know, some kind of faggy microbrew. 
hipster beer, like an IPA or, you know, something brewed with cactus water or some shit like that. Or I'm drinking whiskey, and in this case, it's the latter. I'm drinking whiskey. Evan Williams, 100 proof. I, I, I talked to Aaron Smith recently, the guy I'm always giving a shout out to for introducing me to the world's best value in terms of whiskey. Um, I was talking to him the other day, and uh, anyway, so here's here's another shout out. Maybe you're listening, Aaron. Thank you very much. I love you, pal. I'm going to take a sip right now, actually. Hold, please. Mm, mm, mm. Hitting me on my empty stomach. That's going to feel good here in about 10 minutes. Yeah, I haven't eaten today. I have not eaten in 24 hours. Uh, not on purpose. I just got busy, you know. When I tell people like I haven't eaten, they assume I'm doing intermittent fasting. And I'm like... Well, I guess I kind of am, but not on purpose. I'm just poor. <laughs> I'm poor and I'm tired and I don't feel like, like I wake up in the morning. I don't feel like eating breakfast and like right when I wake up, I'd have to wake up so early just to eat breakfast unless I like, I don't know, heated up like, I don't know, some shitty hot pocket breakfast or something like that, which I'm not going to do. Um, because, you know, like, I like to eat good food. I would rather, honestly, not eat at all than eat junk food. I really don't eat junk food that often. If I ever eat junk food, it is few and far and in between. And it's only in case of emergency where, you know, I have no other choice and I'm literally starving. And if I don't do that, I'm going to black out and possibly die. That's really the only time I ever eat junk food. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to wake up early enough to make like a decent breakfast. Um, and then, you know, I get to work and I, I get busy and, um, my lunch break is so short that it's not worth going out and getting food and then coming back because I wouldn't even have enough time to eat it, even if I did go do that. Um, so typically I just kind of suck it up and deal with it until I get home. And then I eat. So I typically only eat one meal a day anyway. So what I've been doing is on these days that I do podcasts, um, I'll come home and um, I'll eat and I'll have a beer. But the problem is that once I come home from working all day and then I sit down and I eat food and I have a beer, I get real sleepy and I can't function. Like, I get, I start passing out at 6.30, 7 o'clock, like sitting in my chair watching TV. Um, and so, what I decided to do today, I decided today, for the very first time, I'm going to come home, I'm not going to eat, and I'm going to use this fight or flight survival energy that my body is currently burning. It's like burning this backup fuel because it has, like, no available energy so it's like turning to backup fuel right and so if if uh i, I you kind of get like this high like if you, you go 24 hours or so without eating like you get past the point you know because you get to that hunger stage where you're hungry but then if you fight through that you that hunger feeling goes away and if you wait a little bit longer you kind of get this energy rush i don't know if you do that but i do that 
And so I actually have a lot of energy right now. Like it doesn't make sense. It feel it seems like I should have very low energy because I haven't eaten all day and I've been working all day and I've been busy. But in fact, it's quite the opposite. It's almost like I've tricked my body into thinking that it has to keep a high level of energy to be able to hunt the deer so that I can eat tonight so that I don't starve. And so I'm trying that tonight. Okay, so it's 7.50 right now. I'm going to do this, probably eat dinner about 9, have a beer, and then maybe I'll, you know, I'll pass out at an appropriate time around 10 o'clock, and that'll be good. So I'm going to try that. So we'll see how this goes. But anyway, um, so as, as I'm sure you've probably heard, yeah, I cannot be the first person to break this news to you about the whole Bud Light controversy with uh, putting Dylan Mulvaney on the front of the can. Um, and I, for me, there was nothing more redneck, conservative, opposite of woke than Bud Light. So like, when I heard that Bud Light was putting Dylan Mulvaney on the front of their can, my first thought was, oh shit, if, if it's gotten to this level where even the most rednecky, anti-woke thing you can think of, which is Bud Light, if they're putting... If they're pushing the trans agenda, or they're promoting trans ideology, what happens next? <laughs> what happens next? Like, what is after that? I don't know how much more there is left to take over. Once you've taken over Bud Light, or just Budweiser in general, or just Anheuser-Busch, because it's all part of the same thing. It's actually AB InBev. InBev is like another giant corporation. Uh, and then AB is another giant corporation. And then they kind of join forces to make a super duper giant mega corporation. And they basically own, uh, like most of the beers you see in the supermarket, you go to the supermarket and you see all these different beers on the shelves and you think, oh, wow, there's so many different companies that are in the business of making beer. In reality, it's not. In reality, it's just like food. Like, you know, just like food in the grocery store. You know, you see all these different kinds of cereal, but it's all owned by the same company. Or maybe it's like owned by two or three different companies. But then those two or three different companies are owned by the same, even bigger company over that. And so it's the same thing. But like AB InBev is like that top one at the very top that owns the smaller ones, who owns the even smaller ones, who owns the individual breweries. And so they all are part of the same giant, multi-headed, multinational conglomerate uh, called AB InBev. And they're all part of the same company. So like, and, and that company as a whole has a stock worth, what do you call it? Worth, I don't know what you call it, like the, a value, market value, stock value of, um, of, uh, like $160 billion or something like that. Okay. So I'm looking at their share prices now. Um, 
you know, everyone's talking about how, you know, their stocks have taken a huge dip um, since, you know, endorsing uh, Dylan Mulvaney. And um, I don't want to sound like I am trying to defend Bud Light or anything like that, because I'm not. Like, I don't like what they did. But uh, if we're looking at the data, I mean, and, and not like there's a whole lot of data to go off of right now, but I'll just tell you what their stock prices have looked like. So it, over the past two years, uh, going back to April uh, 20th of 2021, their stock prices were $67.31 a share. Now, that was back in April of 2021, okay? So, you fast forward a little bit. Their stocks actually climb from there. They climb up to uh, about $78 in June of 2021. Uh, so, over those two months, you know, the, the sales went up. It was summertime. Maybe more people were spending time outside or whatever, drinking light beer. Okay. And then that fall... Getting into July, August, September, October, the stock prices plummet down to $54.21, uh, down from just $78, you know, a few months before that. Okay, so a pretty steep decline over those few months. And then it kind of went up and down and up and down over the next, you know, year or so. And then in... September and October of 2022, their stocks were at an all-time, I don't know if this is all-time low, but definitely in the most recent two years, um, low. And it was bad. Uh, so, the, I mean, it was at the bottom. Uh, that's the furthest down I've seen. So, and, and then you go forward a couple months. Uh, into December, it climbs in December. It stays flat in about January of 2023, and then in March of 2023, kind of takes an uptick. And then when they endorse Dylan Mulvaney, right before they endorse Dylan Mulvaney, because they announced it on April 1st, it was on April Fool's Day, as if as if it wasn't ironic enough, you know, to, <laughs> to have uh, the balls to endorse someone with no balls. They also did it on April Fool's Day, which is like, I mean, did they do that on purpose? Are they secretly trolling Dylan Mulvaney? Like, people might, I I bet there was some strategy behind that. I bet that the people in Bud Light were like, hey, if we release our cans with Dylan Mulvaney's face on it on April Fool's Day, then... If it goes poorly, maybe we can blame it, or we can just say that it was an April Fool's joke. And then people will laugh, and then we'll move on, and we'll act like that was the plan the whole time. Only they didn't do that, because if, if, if that, that's what they should have said. They had a golden opportunity. Bud Light, you had a golden opportunity to use this day, April 1st, the day that you announced the endorsement of Dylan Mulvaney on, and you put a, his face on the can, you had a golden opportunity to say, ah, just kidding, it wasn't that funny when we pretended to put the tranny on, on, the, on, the, on the can? Ha 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 ha. We called it a canny because it's like a, a tranny. It's a canvestite. It's a canvestite. You guys get it? Anyway, so 
April 1st, whenever they announced that they were going to endorse Dylan Mulvaney or whatever, since then the stock has gone from $66.50 down to $64.36. So they keep saying, oh, Bud Light loses $4 billion, $5 billion, $6 billion. And it sounds like a lot of money to the layperson like myself. Until you look at just how much money this company has. I mean, they lose $6 billion. Okay, they started with $160 billion. And so... I mean, it sounds like a lot, but it's like 4%, maybe, overall, of their total market share, value, whatever that, whatever, whatever it's called. And so, again, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying it's a little too early to tell if this is going to be really detrimental to Bud Light. Or Anheuser-Busch, I should say. Um, you know, there was another interview that I saw with some lady. Uh, it wasn't the lady that we've all been seeing lately. It wasn't Alyssa Heinerschneid. It was this other lady, this Asian lady, who was saying, not that that has anything to do with it. I'm just saying, if you've seen the video, you know who I'm talking about. It was this Asian lady. She was talking. It was. It's on YouTube. That's the video I'm referring to. She was talking about how she was like, don't you think that the people have run numbers on this? Like, don't you think that we had a whole lot of really smart people crunching the numbers and taking in all these risk analysis? And that was like, oh, shit, for me. I was like, oh, shit, she's right. Like, this is a giant multinational corporation. Like, if you think that they're just going to throw something out there willy-nilly, you're wrong. Like, they had a whole room full of people. I'm sure. It makes sense. Like, a whole room full of people who were saying, okay, so we're going to do this, and we're going to take a hit, but in the end, we're going to be okay. It's a long play. Yeah, we'll take a short-term hit, but in the long term, we'll be okay. It's kind of like the pharmaceutical companies did with Vioxx. I don't know if you guys know about Vioxx. I personally, when I was a teenager, took Vioxx because I had bad knees. And apparently, Vioxx was going to make my bad knees into good knees. And so the doctor gave me Vioxx. And I took it for years, only to find out later that it kills people. <laughs> so many people died from taking Vioxx. And it turns out that years later, all this stuff comes out that the pharmaceutical company that sold Vioxx knew that it was going to kill some people. And they knew that they were going to have to pay these fines, but they also knew that they were going to make way more money than they lost in terms of fines and penalties and stuff like that. And I was and that's the first thing that popped into my head was like, "Oh shit, this is just like the Viox thing." And so I bet that Bud Light had the same thing going on. They probably figured we're going to take a short-term hit, which overall, 
as a percentage of their total market value is very little, I think they're thinking that they're going to compensate by making way more back than, than they lost. Now, that remains to be seen. That may happen. That may not happen. I don't know. But um, I do know that there's a bunch of angry rednecks. And they're all very angry. Like, I can imagine if I am a very closeted uh, redneck sheltered individual, very ultra uber conservative, and I'm a diehard Bud Light drinker. I go get a case every week, half for years, and then suddenly uh, this happens. Like, I can see. I can see how they would be upset about it. Um, but, you know, for me personally, like, I was never a big Bud Light drinker. Uh, so, I, I, you know, it didn't really... I was like, well, I wasn't drinking it anyway, but I know that a lot of people do. Not as many people as they as used to, but, you know, a lot of people do. And so, um, you know, their stock prices have been coming down steadily year over year over year for the past several years. And they got really low, you know, toward the end of last year. And so, um, like, I'm looking at the 10-year forecast of Bud Light. And, you know, like... 10 years ago, back in 2013, their share prices were $99. In 2016, they were $130 per share. And when they got to their lowest point, they were down to $40 per share. And just recently, right before uh, or toward the end of 2022... Uh, they were back down to 45. They had gone up after the, after they hit, you know, they went really low down to 40, $40. And then they came back up and then they went back down again, down to 47 $48 or $45, I'm sorry, uh, before coming back up again slightly and then doing the Dylan Mulvaney thing and now they're trending downward. So, like, you know, I, I, don't, uh, I don't know with a long-term is but I can see if you look at their stock prices over time, you can see why the brand was already freaking out before. It's not like Bud Light was killing it and they decided, oh, let's just do this thing because we're untouchable and we can do whatever we want. No, like these Bud Light is already desperate. They were desperate before they did the whole Dylan Mulvaney thing. In fact, you can argue that the whole Dylan Mulvaney thing was they did that specifically because they were desperate. I mean, they were in a steep, steep decline, and you can imagine them forecasting out the future, being like, oh shit, we're not going to have a company anymore, or Bud Light is going to go away if we don't do something now. So they bring in this person, uh, Alyssa Heinerschneid, and I don't know how long she was there, but uh, this is what she had to say. Well, first of all, there's an interview I have the entire interview that she did, so I'm going to play like the first part, and then I'm going to skip ahead to another part. But this is Alyssa Heinerschneid. This is just kind of like a a little insight into what kind of person she is. Uh, So here we go. 
I just think making hard decisions, codifying this restlessness and finding a way to connect to what makes you tick and your joy and then being purposeful about it. That was the thing that was like electrifying to me. That's. Does anybody know what she just said? Like, I don't know what, what any of that means. Like I heard words come out of her mouth, but it, it's like nothing she said meant anything. Let me play it again. Listen, see if you can make out what she's trying to say. I just think making hard decisions, codifying this restlessness and finding a way to connect to what makes you tick and your joy and then being purposeful about it. That was the thing that was like electrifying to me. I don't know. Something about ticks and joys and finding purpose. And I'm like, what the fuck does this have to do with beer? What does this have to do with beer? I don't, I mean, like, we're, we're, you sell shit beer. It's not good beer. People don't buy it because it's good beer. People buy it because it's cheap. Or they don't know any better. Like fucking Bud Light, Miller Light, all these lights, whatever they are, Coors Light, they skated by for decades and decades because they had no fucking competition. Because there's only like three beer brands all the way up until like 1990-something or to the 2000s. There was like three different kind of beers you could have got. You could have got Bud Light, Miller Light, or Coors Light. Or... The non-light version of those, Bud, Miller, and Coors. You could have, I mean, that was it. That was it. They had no competition. In these giant, they, these companies, they got giant because they had no competition. And then once the 2000s hit and microbrewed breweries started popping up everywhere and people started brewing like actually good beer, you know, that actually had flavor and uh, tasted good and that you wanted to drink and didn't just drink because it was the only option available. Um, once people started doing that, then their sales started to go down, 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 way down uh, to, to where they are now. So, like, people weren't not buying your beer because you weren't woke enough. They weren't not buying your beer because they didn't feel like they could relate to you on a personal level. They didn't buy your beer because there's better beer now. There are more options that might cost a little bit more, but it's worth the extra dollar or two per six-pack to have beer you actually enjoy drinking. So, I, I mean, like I said earlier, Bud Light was already in desperation about what they're doing with Dylan Mulvaney. It's not brave. It's not bold. It's not progressive. It's, it's not, they're not looking forward and see, no, they're reacting in the moment. These people are in fight or flight mode. They are in survival mode. They have been for a long time. This is a desperate last ditch effort to try to get whoever in the fuck is out there to drink their beer. And they know that 
the left and the people who in, who subscribe to the woke ideology will support whoever agrees with them. That is one thing I can say about the woke left is that they are fucking loyal. I'll tell you that. I mean, they don't even ask questions. If you just come out and say, hey, I'm a woke lefty, they are all in. They will fucking go to war for you. That's all you have to say. All you have to say is trans women are women, and the woke left will be right there, and they'll have your back, and they will fucking be your ride or die. That is one thing I can say about the woke left. Now, they're insane. They're absolutely insane, but they are loyal. And so, these people know that. You think they had people who were smart enough to go in there and crunch the numbers and do all this risk analysis and be like, okay, we're going to take this percentage of a hit, but then we're going to get this much back whenever we get the blah, 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 blah. You think those same people didn't also factor that shit in? I mean, of course they did. They know exactly what they're doing. They are they are desperately vying to try to get into a demographic of people who they know are extremely loyal and hoping that that will keep their head above water just long enough to where they can figure out the next move that they're going to do to try to get more market share. That's exactly what they're doing. I do not believe for one second that the board or the bosses, or whoever is at the top of Bud Light, or AB InBev, or whatever. I do not believe for one second that these people actually care about trans rights. I don't think that they actually care about the progressive woke agenda. I think that they are just trying to keep their jobs, and to keep the shareholders happy, and to keep the share prices up. I think that's all they're trying to do, and this is a desperate attempt to do it. Okay, so, you know, which that's what capitalism is. But here's the thing. Capitalism, it's a free market. This is why the free market is so important. I've mentioned this several times in the past, that I am a huge believer in the free market. That's why I don't have social media well, that's not why I don't have social media. I don't have social media because it's terrible. But the fact that I don't have social media puts me completely in the hands of the free market. If people like me, they'll share me. If it grows, it grows. If it doesn't, then that means it's not good enough. And if it's not good enough, that means I need to be better. And that's the only way I'm going to do it. But to do that, you have to keep at it. And if you don't care enough about the product, you're not going to keep at it long enough to get good at it so that people start to share your content or that people start to buy your beer. Okay? But these people, Anheuser-Busch, they've been resting on their laurels for so long. They've been so spoiled for so long because, like I said earlier, they came in, what, in the fucking late 1800s? Like... That's when they started like selling beer and, and, and shipping it around the countries, like the late 1800s, early 1900s, something like that, when it was like the only thing available other than dirty creek water. Like, so, of, I mean, of course, this company got huge and they've been huge for a really long time. But as soon as the free market 
competition went up, their value went down. And now they are desperately vying for whatever they can get to keep them alive long enough to figure out the next thing and then they'll do the next thing. So they're not always going to do this. They're going to do this trans thing long enough or their idea was that they're going to do this trans thing long enough to see how it goes and and hopefully it works out and gives them a little bit more of a lifeline until they figure out the next thing. And the next thing they do, hell, I guarantee you, like if the KKK were to suddenly become popular for whatever reason i don't know why but let's say that the kkk was suddenly very popular okay and uh bud light would put a the a, a pointy white hood on the front of their can they would they would fucking do it because that is what the free market says that they want that's what the people say that they want okay so whatever the thing is in the moment that is, is trending, they're going to hop on that and try to ride the coattails upward because that's what capitalism is, and that's fine. But, the, but here's the thing. You, the consumer, have to ultimately buy the product, and if you don't buy the product, they die, and that's what should happen to companies who don't appeal to their customer base. So they have been losing their business to other better beers, let's be honest. Um, and they have been losing business for years and years. And so their response was to take what little customer base they did have left, which is fucking rednecks. I'm not going to say that. That's not, that's, that's not nice. It's not always rednecks, but you know, it's like when you think of Bud Light, you don't think of uh, rich people in a penthouse drinking Bud Light. You don't think of that. You think of Billy Bob wearing a stained wife beater, drinking a Bud Light in his foldable lawn chair out in front of his trailer house. That's what you think. Let's be honest, okay? If I presented those two people to you, rich guy, well-dressed in a penthouse in New York City, or Billy Bob, side by side, and I said, hey, which one of these drinks Bud Light? You would point to Billy Bob every time. And you know you fucking would. Okay? And Bud Light also knows that as well. So what they did is they said, oh, our sales are in decline. We're losing business. Here's an idea. Let's take the only customer base, the loyal ones that we have left, the Billy Bobs, and let's... Let's just skull fuck them. Let's just skull fuck them with this big Dill Mulvady trans dick. Okay, let's just do that. Let's just see how that goes. And they're banking on the fact that, yeah, they're going to lose Billy Bob, but they're going to gain two woke lefties. But here's the thing. There's a lot more Billy Bobs in the world than there are woke lefties. There just fucking are. I'm sorry. There's not that many woke lefties. Like, they're loud. And they throw huge fits. But there's not that many of them. Okay? So they're the very loud minority. Uh, But let's see... um, What... what, What's her fucking name? Alyssa... 
Heine, Heine Schneid. Uh, let's see what she has to say about this. One second, I'm pulling it up. Boop, here we go. About the fact is, but, oh, fucking ad. Hold on. This is embarrassing. I'm a professional, I promise. All right, here we go. And I try to bring that, honestly, female representation in this role has been something I've been really committed to. Oh, God, I already fucking hate her. Female representation. I just fuck. okay, I just hate it. Like, feminine, okay. She sounds like one of those people who hate just feels like she has a chip on her shoulder and she like came into it and she was like, Hey, I'm an oppressed minority group being a woman and I already have a chip on my shoulder and I really have to prove myself to everyone. Instead of just being good at your job, that's not good enough. Like no one gives a shit that you're a woman. Just be good at your fucking job. That's all we care about talk a little bit about that if you want but it's just been ever since I took this job I I wanted to try to move the needle in some small choices along the way to sort of say this matters to me it's the same when I'm dealing with celebrities or sponsorship or partnerships it's it's my commitment to sort of bring others along with me that's just really important yeah I do want to talk about that because I think you know it was amazing to see a woman at the heart of the Bud Light Super Bowl commercial who cares if it's a woman? Honestly, who fucking cares? When I see a commercial that has a woman on it versus a man, I don't think, oh, wow, look at that. There's no man in the commercial. This is a stupid commercial. There should be a man there. What's that woman doing there? Get back in the kitchen. Make me a sandwich. I don't think that. I just think, oh, there's a person on a commercial. The only people that think, oh my god, look, there's a woman there, are the fucking feminists who already think that they're being victimized. No one else cares. Marshall, and I think there's yeah. probably a lot of ways that, you know, your no one own noticed. background and your own No one noticed it was a woman instead of a man on the Super Bowl commercial. Perspective and your own values, you know, the person you are at home impacts and has a ripple effect on the Bud Light brand tell me about that a little bit no it doesn't no one gives a shit who you are at home just give me my cheap beer so i can drink my stresses away from this going to this job that coming home from this fucking job that i hate i just want to sit down in my foldable lawn chair in front of my double wide and enjoy a cheap beer and pretend like my life is better than it really is I don't give a fuck what you do at home. Yeah, I I think number one, you know, I'm a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. I had a really clear job to do when yeah. I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. Because it sucks and there's other better beers out there. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super Okay, what young drinkers aren't drinking Bud Light? That's what you do when you're young. You drink Miller Light, you drink Bud Light, you drink Coors Light, you drink Keystone Light, you drink all the lights. That's what young people do. That's your fucking demographic. And watch, here in a second, she's going to fucking contradict herself. Clear mandate. It's like we Mm -hmm. need to evolve and elevate 
this incredibly iconic brand. And my, what I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what is, what, do, what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Mm-hmm. And representation is at sort of the heart of evolution. You've got to see- No, it's not. No, it's not. In fact, <laughs> that's so stupid. Representation is not at the heart of evolution. Okay, you have a fundamental misunderstanding of how evolution works. Okay, evolution is, in large part, natural selection. Natural selection is, in large part, survival of the fittest. You don't. The things that survive to move on are not the fringe minority things that don't fit in. In nature, those things. The things that don't fit in, the things that are weird, the things that are taboo, the things that are like 1% of the population represent. Those, out in nature, animals aren't being like, oh, look at this group of people, these minorities that constitute way less than 1% of our population. Let's take them and force feed them on everyone else and make them as important. That's not how that works. Okay, so to use the word evolution and your describing of taking a very tiny minority of people's agendas and pushing them on the rest of us, that is literally the opposite of evolution. If it were really up to evolution, those tiny fringe people would die out or their ideology would die out and then it would just not even exist anymore. What you're doing is you're forcing something that is supposed to die out on its own and you're forcing it into the rest of us. It's literally the opposite of evolution. See people who reflect you in the work and we had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor and... Fratty, out of touch humor. She just said we need to appeal to a young customer base or else we're not going to have a future and then she says that the reputation has been fratty and we need to get away from that fratty is young people young college kids that's what fratty is that's the people you're trying to appeal to that you say you're not trying to appeal to and it was really important (laughs) that we had another approach so long story short Super Bowl spot, fast forward, I cast an incredible female choreographer who just brought incredibly positive, amazing energy to the spot. We cast Miles Teller. No, no, she she didn't cast a choreographer. She cast a wonderful female choreographer. She went out of her way to say female choreographer. You notice how when guys talk about the people that they hire... You wouldn't hear a guy, if she were a guy, she wouldn't have said, yeah, I cast this really great male choreographer, and he just fucking wrecked it. He just he just killed it. He did awesome. You would never hear that. She's got some, like, underlying issues with herself. Like, she's got a chip on her shoulder. That's what I'm fucking saying. ...and his wife, Kelly Teller. But it was really crucial to me that if you see that spot, Kelly is Kelly is the heartbeat of that spot. You're seeing this whole experience through Kelly. She's the beating heart. 
she, I would sort of argue, is sort of what propels you through that experience. And, and that was intentional. Um, and then we had another really fun spot. First spot out of the gate was the first time ever we had a female protagonist in this really... Oh, oh, there's a female again. First time we ever had a female protagonist. She's got an agenda. She's out to push female feminist ideology, which, again, I don't care if it's a woman. I don't care if it's a woman. You care if it's a woman. That's why I care. I It bothers me that you care that it's a woman. Why don't you just hire the best person for the job and not try to like specifically push a certain agenda onto everyone else because of your own biases? Really cool. She was sort of cool as hell bobbing and weaving through a bar. But anyway, listen, I'm not going to pretend that there isn't so much more work to do from a business results perspective and of course from a representation perspective, but I feel like you you have to put your money where your mouth is when you're trying to evolve a brand and elevate it and bring in new consumers. So that's been incredibly important to me. Mm-hmm. Evolve and elevate a brand. Okay, so she thinks in her mind putting Dylan Mulvaney's face on a Bud Light can and completely alienating their entire customer base. Um, that was an important part of elevating the brand. In other words, if you're saying that you need to elevate the brand, you're saying that the brand is shit. So you're saying that the people who drink it, the fratty, out-of-touch people that you, quote-unquote, that's what you said, the fratty, out-of-touch people who have been your loyal customers for years, you disrespect them by calling them fratty and out of touch, and then you say you need to elevate the brand by moving it beyond those people who have been loyal to you for years. Which again, it's not me. I'm not one of those people, but those people do exist. So for you to say that you need to elevate it means that it's in a bad spot. So the people who, uh, your 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 loyal customer base, those people are people that you don't care about, and you see them as less than the agenda that you're trying to push, which is the woke ideology. I mean, and and she said she said the brand was out of touch. How out of touch is she with the fucking customer base? Like, this is a young, what looks to be, I don't know, somewhere in her mid to late 30s, maybe, lady, um, who does not look like she had a rough upbringing, okay? Who's probably never even drank a Bud Light. Maybe she has, but I bet if he gave her the choice between Bud Light and, say, a Dogfish Head 60-Minute IPA, I don't think she would choose the Bud Light. Or maybe she would if she doesn't like IPAs. But you know what I'm saying. If you gave her the choice between Bud Light or a very, uh, or a much better, uh, you know, uh, beer, then I- I'm sure she would choose the much better beer, of course. So, uh, Anheuser-Busch, they responded... Uh, at the time, there was a $5 billion market value dip. And this was four days ago. I think it's actually like up to $6 billion now. In the past four days, it's gone 
the value's gone down like another billion. Uh, but they basically gave a uh, a a a non-apology, a very vague response. Um, they 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 didn't say that they made a mistake by doing it. They just said that they 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 started going off into like the history of Anheuser Busch and the the American spirit and all this kind of shit. And they basically just kind of dan- they they did a very political a politician dance around the question without actually answering it. We just said a bunch of words that, when you put them together, sound good, but they don't actually address the issue. And I am looking at a picture of Dylan Mulvaney, and it's just frightening. Like, I'm looking... There's something so disturbing about seeing a guy pretending to be a girl, like, with their very narrow hips and their very thin thighs and their knobby knees... (laughs) And their pale white skin. Uh, It's just very disturbing in their strong jawline. Um, Like, it's just so weird. It's like, you're not fooling anyone, dude. We all know what's going on. You know what kills me? It's like, what do you think? What does he think is going to happen? Did Dylan Mulvaney think he's going to become a woman and find true love and and then get railed by some hot guy with a big giant dick and live like the ultimate female fantasy life? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think you're going to find true love? Do you think you're going to get married and have kids and be happy? No, you're fucking not, dude. No, you're not. I mean, if you do, the guy who's railing you is is fucking crazy. And the two of you together, I mean, here's the thing, or is just gay. And he's like, oh, I can tell my dad it's a woman and we'll just keep it a secret. And in reality, I know I'm really fucking a dude. Like, what do you think is going to happen? These people who, trans- these guys who transition into women... What do they think is going to happen? Do you think you're going to find true love? Do you think you're going to find a... Even if you're super convincing. Like, even if you're super hot and you've gotten all the work done and you literally look like a woman and you cannot tell that you're not a woman. Even then, eventually, at some point, unless you never take your pants off or never go to have sex, the guy's going to figure it out. Okay, and when that happens, what do you think is going to happen? So even if Dylan Mulvaney was very convincing, which he is not, let's say that he was, and he meets a nice guy, and he tricks the guy into thinking that he's actually a girl, because the guy doesn't know any better. And then they date for a while, and then things get hot and heavy one night, and then they go to actually do it, and there's a dick there. What do you think's going to happen? You think he's going to be like, oh my gosh, wow, you're so brave and bold. I had no idea that you were a chick with a dick. Well, let me just put that in my mouth right now. All right. No, that's not going to happen. He's going to freak out and run away. Unless he's gay. And in which case, if he is gay, ha, gotcha. Because talk yourself out of this logic. If you do manage to trick 
a gay guy into thinking that you're a woman and then he finds out you're a man and still wants to sleep with you, then he's clearly gay because he wants to sleep with a man, which means you're a man. So even if it was the case, if it's a straight guy, the straight guy is going to go running for the hills. If it's a gay guy, the gay guy likes you because you're a dude. <laughs> if you really were a woman, he would not be into you because he's gay. You see how that works? Talk yourself out of that logic loop. Go ahead. I want to hear anyone talk, like, defend that. I, I think I stumbled onto something. That's the first time I've had that thought in my head is right now whenever I just said it. And that's a great, like, if I ever get into an argument or a debate with a pro-trans person, I'm going to ask him that question. And I'm going to see uh, the look on their face when they really figure out they can't answer it. And then I'm going to wait for them to call me a bigot and cuss at me and then run away and say that they're not going to engage in a conversation or that they don't want to share the space with such a transphobic bigot and walk away like AOC did uh, when AOC was confronted by the uh, founder of Libs of TikTok. AOC was spreading all these lies about this lady from uh, who, who started um, Libs of TikTok. And uh, she... Uh, told the lady who started Libs of TikTok that uh, she did not want to share a space with a transphobe. Uh, and that was just basically because she could not defend all of the lies that she was telling about this lady. Uh, let me see if I can find that. Hold on one second. Okay, I found it. Here we go. Uh, so that was AOC. She was saying, she was telling the Libs of TikTok lady, uh, you're super transphobic and I do not want to share a space with you. And then sarcastically said, thank you. And then walked away real fast. I am here outside the Cannon building. I was here last week because I attempted to ask AOC why she lied about me in a committee hearing. She cowered away. She refused to talk to me. So I'm back here today, one week later, and I'm going to deliver her an ethics complaint that I filed for lying about an American citizen in a committee hearing. So AOC, she broke the rules. Believe it or not, there's actually rules on Capitol Hill. And 23 clause one is a big one. You gotta act in a way that reflects credibility on the house and lying about you know, a US citizen certainly doesn't do that. So we're filing this ethics complaint. Let's go inside and see. Okay, that's kind of a reach. I'll be honest with you. Like, I mean, I feel like this guy, I don't even know if he's a real attorney, but the guy was talking about like, oh, 23 clause one or whatever uh like you know that's that's not really going to hold water in a court of law or anything like if it were actually to get that far which it won't and lying about you know a u.s citizen certainly doesn't do that so we're filing this actress complaint let's go inside and see if she's there off some mail for the Hi, so basically a few weeks ago, AOC yeah. lied about me in a committee hearing. Okay. So I tried to come last week and talk to her, yeah. but she kind of cowered away, wasn't interested in talking to me. Okay. So uh, together with uh, Mike from the Heritage Foundation Oversight, um, he helped me file this ethics complaint. So we filed that. And if you can give it to AOC, sure. I would really appreciate it. Thank you. 
and tell her to stop lying about American citizens. Okay. Thank you. I just dropped off an ethics complaint at AOC's office, and unfortunately she wasn't there. So we laughed, and then I was walking through the Capitol, and guess who I bumped into? AOC herself. I just delivered an ethics Okay, so AOC does not know who this lady is. She doesn't know, like, what she looks like, I guess. And so the libs of TikTok lady is uh, now posing for a picture with AOC. And as she's posing for the picture, she's saying what she's about to say about how she delivered the ethics complaint. So that is how um, people typically react whenever they know that they have zero defense. Like, you'll never see someone who actually knows that they're right, like in their heart of hearts, knows that they are true and just. You'll never see those people shy away from being accused of doing something that they know that they didn't do because they know that they didn't actually do the thing that they're being accused of. You know, the only people that do that are the ones who are guilty. And so, um, you know, uh, it's... <laughs> AOC is the worst kind of example of a U.S. congressperson. Like, she is the person that... She, she is the... She is a caricature of the Gen Z, millennial-type person who just thinks that everything is about them and the rest of the world should just cater to them and that they can do whatever they want without consequence and have whatever they want immediately... Uh, without having to earn it, and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, I don't know. Would AOC be where she's at if she weren't hot? Let's be honest. Like, okay, she's hot, right? I think she's hot. She's uh, America's favorite big booty Latina, according to Alex Stein. Primetime. Shout out to Primetime. Uh, I love Primetime. And he's here in Dallas. Hey, man, I'm close. Let's hook up, do a podcast. Anyway, so she... um. She is very attractive, objectively. I mean, she's a despicable human being, but she's very attractive. Like, if I didn't know anything about her, and she didn't talk much, I would have sex with her. I would. Like, a lot. But then, as soon as she opened her mouth, unless it was for, you know, you know why, then I would be out of there, because she just is so obnoxious. That's the thing with a lot of these girls these days. A lot of these young ladies, a lot of these young women, the Gen Zs, the Millennials, they're very hot, but they're very stupid. And, and like, they're so boring and uninteresting and just have nothing to contribute. Um... There's an ultra-right beer creator who says he's already received thousands of orders... In the wake of the backlash that followed Bud Light's decision to offer sponsorship deal to trans activist and influencer Dylan Mulvaney, Georgia conservative Seth Weathers decided to start a business that would allow 
outraged right-wingers to boycott the brand and drink a 100% woke-free beer. Less than 24 hours after launching his conservative dad's ultra-right beer, Weathers, the former director of Donald Trump's 2016 Georgia campaign, told Newsweek, the response has been absolute insanity, saying that there's already thousands of pre-orders for his product. Um, so this guy just started a beer? Okay, wait. Stop, stop, stop. You can't, you, you can't just start selling beer. Like, you, you can't just, on a whim, start selling beer. Like, to sell alcohol requires licensing and permits and inspections and facilities to brew the beer and a staff to make it in months to actually brew it. To brew a good batch of beer takes like at least a month. And I know because they homebrew. And so it takes a long time just to brew. And he came out with this announcement and said he already had pre-orders like a week after Dylan Mulvaney announced that he was he was being sponsored by Bud Light. So, red flag, this is not real beer, or, or, or maybe he's just taking beer that he's already made, and he's slapping a label on it and selling it, but even then, you can't just do that. You have to have, like, a license to sell beer. You have to be registered with the state. I've looked into it, because I was like, oh, maybe I'll start a brewery at one point, because I like to homebrew and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll start a brewery, and I'll do all this. I started looking into it, and I found out all the... Like, I mean, it's a it's a hassle. Like, you can't just sell beer. So anyway, I don't know what's going on with this guy. But he says that he's had, like, thousands of pre-orders. According to Weathers, his initiative has already gathered a lot of interest. I'd never seen anything like this. I've been in e-commerce for years, he said. We got restaurants, bars, military bases, everything you can imagine. All over America, and even internationally. We got requests from Europe, Canada, and somewhere else. I can't remember. Um, Once we get to these ordering levels, we're going to be able to bring the price down drastically. At the moment... A six-pack of ultra-right beer cost $19.99. When asked about how many pre-orders he had received, he said it's in the thousands. Uh, 20 bucks for a six-pack. That better be... You know what it probably is? It's probably fucking Bud Light. He just took Bud Light and like poured it in a bottle and slapped a different label on it. And he's... Oh, that seems like something that's stupid enough to be true. Uh, there's people in the comments who says, uh, Rob Forshe left a comment that I'm not paying $19.99 for a six-pack. I don't care how patriotic the beer is. PBR, it's good enough for me. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, PBR, I'm a big fan. <clears throat> now you want to talk about a real American beer? Fucking PBR. PBR is the shit. I love PBR. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Um, even people like uh, Trump Jr., he was coming out saying that, hey, hey guys, let's be nice to Bud Light. And I'm sure it's because Anheuser-Busch, uh, they donate a lot of money to the Republican Party, 
but they only donate like 60% of their money. They donate 60% of their money to the Republican Party and 40% to the Democratic Party. So think about that. It's basically almost 50-50. It's slightly more to conservatives, but they're also giving 40% of their donation money to the Democratic Party. So there are people arguing like, oh, uh, Anheuser-Busch, they do so much good for conservative conservatives. Okay, yeah, but they also do a lot of good for liberals as well. So the trans marketing scheme. Is this a one-off colossal screw-up or is it something bigger? This could be just the act of one rogue, woke lunatic in a marketing department filled with leftist staffers. The Daily Wire is now reporting that no one at the senior level of Anheuser-Busch was aware of the partnership with Dylan Mulvaney. We looked into the political giving and lobby that's not true that's not true the daily wire is reporting that bud light is claiming that the higher-ups had no idea the daily wire who's a is a very conservative news outlet they are not saying you know how i know because i listen to the daily wire i'll listen to matt walsh i listen to ben shapiro I listen to Michael Knowles. They, they're they not saying that Bud Light had or Anheuser-Busch had no idea that this was happening. What they're saying is that that's what Bud Light is saying. <laughs> the people at the higher-ups at Anheuser-Busch, since there's so much backlash and their stocks took a dip, now they are the ones who are throwing the people down below them this uh, Alyssa Heinerschneid, they're throwing her under the bus to save their own ass. That's what they're saying. Being history of Anheuser-Busch. And guess what? They actually support Republicans. In, in woke corporate America, Anheuser-Busch supports Republicans. Last cycle, their employees and their PAC gave about 60% to Republicans and 40% to Democrats. God, he's okay. 60% to Republicans and 40% to Democrats. That's what I just said a second ago. Um, it's why are they giving any to Democrats? If they, if they really do support conservatives, why are they giving any money to Democrats? They shouldn't be giving any, right? If they're, they really do support conservatives and Republicans. So, when you say, "Oh no, they, you know they're they're big supporters of," not really, not when you compare it. It's about the same. It's a ten percent difference. You're probably thinking, "Well, no, twenty percent because sixty compared to forty. But no, if they drop their sixty percent down ten percent, that makes the forty percent go up ten percent. So really, they meet in the middle, and it's fifty-fifty. It's really only a ten percent swing. That's the only difference. It ten percent more is what they give to conservatives. Or to the Republican Party. So, I don't know why Donald Trump Jr. is out trying to do this right now. Like, dude, no one gives a fuck about you. You're not your dad. He talks like his dad, by the way. He does the whole hand motions and everything. Um, I don't know if he's mimicking or maybe it's just natural. I don't know. You grow up with the guy. Maybe he just, I don't know. Maybe it's genetic. I don't know. 
But he, uh, why are you talking about this? You're not the president. You're not in line to be the president. No one gives a fuck about you. Um, why are you even talking about this? I don't know, but I can only assume that it's the same reason why anyone talks about anything and it's all because of money. I'm sure that someone at Anheuser-Busch said, Oh, we got to get out ahead of this. We got to we got to get the word out. We got to let everyone know that we're not the bad guys. All right, so who's a good person to spread that message? Donald Trump. Okay, let's get Trump. Oh no, fucking Donald Trump. He's not going to do it. He doesn't give a shit about you guys. All right, who what's the next best thing? Oh, Trump Jr. All right, boom. Let's get Trump Jr. Give him a call. All right, so they give Trump Jr. a call. And then he's like, "Oh, fuck yeah, dude. I'll fucking tell everyone that you're not a bad guy." Let's fucking do it. How much money are you going to pay me? $1 million. All right, $1 million say you're not a bad guy? Fuck, done. Let's go. So then he, he gets paid. A.B., Anheuser-Busch, pays Donald Trump Jr. a $1 million. I don't know if this has actually happened. Maybe it hasn't. Maybe they didn't pay him. Maybe they did pay him. Maybe they paid him more than a $1 million. I don't know. Maybe I'm lowballing it. But my point is, is that why else would he fucking come out and reserve like a spot on national television to just talk about how Anheuser-Busch is not the bad guy. Like you think he's doing this shit just out of the, because he's a really big fan of Bud Light. You think Donald Trump Jr., the rich guy in the penthouse, you think he's drinking Bud Light? No, he's not drinking Bud Light. He's drinking good beer. He's drinking good beer that people actually like that tastes good. And so you think he's doing it out of the kindness of his heart or because he's a big fan? Or because they give so much more money to the Republican Party, which he's loyal to, than they do the Democrats? Because we know that's not true. It's a 10% difference. It's not much at all. So what's the point? They're paying him. Someone decided, let's pay him to go on there and say that we're not the bad guy and even throw out there that a conservative right-wing media outlet like the Daily Wire, even they're saying that the guys at the top had no idea that this was happening. This is a cover-your-ass move by the people at the top. They are going to throw Alyssa Heinerschneid under the bus. I guarantee you I am making a prediction right now. She is not fired as of today. Today is April 18th, 2023, and as far as I know, she has not been fired. If this boycott continues, I guarantee you she will be fired. AB will issue an apology. They will say it was all her idea and they had no idea that it was happening. And they will throw her under the bus. They'll hire someone else who will come in, come in and appeal to the Bubba's of the world drinking Bud Light in their foldable lawn chairs out in front of their double wide and they will try to win back the people that they turned their nose up at who were the only loyal customer base that they had left. That is exactly what's going to happen if this boycott continues. Mark my words. We'll see if it does. And that's it. That's the show, everybody. If you like what you are listening to, share like, subscribe, follow, send it to a friend that you who you think might like it, okay? Because if they start listening 
and they tell two friends, and they tell two friends, like I say all the time, we got Wayne's World going on, um, and it'll grow. I'm a big believer in the free market. If you, uh, if you like me, share me. If you don't, that means I suck, and I deserve to die, and I will kill myself uh, immediately. Uh, thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. And as always, bedankt voor hoe uh, Thank you both for listening. Have a great day. Love you.